We love you and thank you. And the whole church said, amen, amen. amen. Um, I believe that for 2020, that if, if God's going to bring us back to life, um, if God's going to change us, if God's going to use us, if he's going to set us in motion, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He's like, I want to bring this thing back to life. And when he said it, I was just like, really? That? It's like, but God, <laughs> when I preach that, that's not going to get a lot of amens, you know? It's not. And I was just like, yeah, that, but that's what I want to bring back to life. Because I feel like in this Christian walk, we did it when we first met Christ. We had this, like, radical commitment to it when we first met Christ. And then through the years, it just it kind of waned. And, and, we, and we were like, mm, I don't know. Or maybe it's not. Or maybe it's not this. And, and, and what we were so radically committed to, now all of a sudden it became a question. And it's just like, I don't know if I want to do this. I don't know if I want to pay attention to that. And God is like, no, 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 this is what I want to bring that back to life. I said, but, what? but aren't we? No, 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 I need to bring it back to life. And so this week, more than ever, I really, really believe that God wants to radically bring your obedience back to life. As Christians, as followers of Christ, God wants to revive your obedience. And some of us are in this room and we're like, but I'm always obedient. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because I'm not. And you're like, but I, I thought like, you know, I, I thought, you know, I, I listen, I go to church, I pray, you know, I, I try to do good things. And God is like, no, no, I want that radical obedience that you had when I first met you. Does anyone remember when they first met Jesus? Can you raise your hands? Yes. Right. You were like, what does the Bible say? That's what I'm going to do. Right? Right? The Bible, if the Bible said not to chew gum, I would curse gum for the rest of my life. Right? But then what happens? We go, we first met Jesus and we radically obey the word. And then over time, things chip away, right? The Bible says things like, hey, don't hang out with those friends or don't be in the environment that's not holy. Well, you know, like, I don't know if I want to be obedient to that. Bible says don't be unequally yoked to someone's not following Christ. Well, well, you know, they love God, right? They've been to church with me. Have they been to church by themselves? No. Uh, you know, but they love God. God calls you to an area that's, that's really like, oh, God's calling me to be in missions, but uh, that's not for me. Let someone else go. I, I, I give at my church. They support missionaries. Let them do that. See, yeah, like, family. I told y'all I wasn't going to get a lot of amens on this, right? Did I not say it? Did I not? My leadership team, I told them, I was like, I'm not going to get a lot of amens today, but that's okay because truth is truth. And somewhere along our Christian journey, we gave up this radical obedience, this unwavering obedience because we wanted to be comfortable in this lifestyle. We wanted to play it safe. We wanted to live in an area or move to a community where everyone looks like us and sounds like us and talks like us because that's safe. 
And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Obedience calls you to do things that are outside of your will, outside of your scope, and outside of your ways. So we, what happens, and the thing is, is that like we become obedient to the things that we like, right? Anyone ever notice that we, we're obedient to the scriptures that we like? And like, I like that scripture. Yeah, I'll be obedient to that. It's like we go to a buffet, like, I like that one, put that on my plate. Ooh, I like that one, put two helpings of that. So I'll listen to that one, but then I'll judge others by that one as well. Right? Right? Because that's what we do. We want to be obedient to, to one thing, but not the whole thing. We want God to be God Monday through Friday, or, or excuse me, Sunday to Monday, but then I'm going to be me for the rest of the week. And so the things, and, and, and the thing is that over time is that we, we're obedient to this verse and this verse and this verse, but we're not obedient to the entire Bible. So what happens over time is that over time we start serving a God who is a God of our image, who is a God of our man-made desires and things, and we don't know that that's an idol. And God is saying, no, no, I didn't call you to be obedient just to one verse. I'm calling you to be obedient to the entire word because I desire obedience over sacrifice who knows there are things in 2019 that we sacrificed that God was like if you were just obedient you wouldn't have to sacrifice that if you were just obedient you wouldn't have to given that up but because you were disobedient I took that away because I'm a jealous God and I want to be your God not the idol turn to your neighbor and say God desires obedience over sacrifice I know it was a lot. I know it was a lot. I'll do it again. Turn to your other neighbor and say, God desires obedience over sacrifice. Okay. We're obedient to certain things, and I think sometimes we're obedient to certain things in the Word because somehow in, in our hearts or in our minds, we feel like it, that'll give us a level of success, Right? I want to be obedient to this scripture because I'm obedient to tithing for some of us because I know if I give, God's going to give me something back. I know when I'm obedient to this verse, it'll make me look like I'm a righteous man in front of everyone else. And God is like, no, 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 it's not, it's not when it's convenient to you. It's not when it's convenient to you to be obedient. Guys, I, as fasting this week, I, I, I told my team today that this, this is like, I think it's because I'm fasting. These are the most points I will ever have in a sermon ever. Because some of y'all know I don't typically have a lot of points because y'all forget the first three by the time you get to the car. So I don't do a lot of points. But like this, this one, I was just like, wow, I got six whole points. Ooh, who wrote this? Did I get this? No, I don't, I don't copy my sermons from online, guys. Come on now. But I believe obedience happens in two parts. In two parts. Obedience happens in two parts. If you're going to be obedient, you must first sit and listen, and then go and do. Say it with me. First one. Sit and listen, and go and do. But what happens, I think as Christians, we get caught up in one of these two. Sometimes we don't do both. We sit and listen. We sit and we listen, and we hear the word, and we're encouraged by the word, and we're lifted up, but at no point does that sit and listen translate into going and doing, right? I've been there. 
where I just sit and listen and we just take in so much of the word. And that's not wrong. It's taking in the word. That's not wrong at all. But it becomes, you become this spiritual reservoir, this swamp, if it doesn't pour out into something else. We don't go and do, we don't take what we've learned and say, let me go and do this. Let me go in and, 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 and put this into action. And then we have other Christians who fall just in the go and do. We sat and listened, and then we're going to go do, 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 do. <laughs> you know, do and do and do and do. Sorry, I'm immature. God's working on that in me. And we're always doing something. And we're always trying to do something. And we're always trying to do something. And God is like, you are burning yourself out. You need to come back and sit and listen again. See, these, thing, this, these two things, it's a cycle. It's a cycle. Okay, God, I've read your word today. I've heard what you had to say. And I'm hearing your spirit and I'm listening to you. God, throughout the day, please let me exercise these things. Let me apply these things to my life. Let there be a form of application. That's how exercise works. That's how, that's how dieting works. That's how, that's how working out these scriptures work. You sit and listen and you go and do. But we always fall into one and two categories and then we wonder why we're not living this full lifestyle. There's a lot of Christians who are doing, who are, who are working on words that God gave them months ago. And God is like, if you would sit and listen for one moment, I would give you a brand new word. Then you would go and do something else. If you would sit and listen just for one moment, I can revive your spirit. And there's some Christian God is like, you know what? I've spoken to you so much, I'm going to keep quiet right now because I'm waiting for you to do. But God, I can't hear your voice. What did I tell you last time? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then, you may not hear me again. First, we're going to talk... Um, I got some points. The first thing we need to know, and this is point number one, so if you're taking notes, is that obedience is a choice. Right? Obedience, it's a choice. You make the decision. We're going to go to John 14, verse 15. It says, Jesus promises us, promises the Holy Spirit, it says, if you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. And then, I'm sorry, we're going to jump down, because he says again, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching, and my Father will love them, and he, and he will come to them and make home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. But I want to focus on, on 15. It says, if you love me. For all you grammar Nazis, you know that if is a conjunction. Does anyone remember conjunction function? No? Schoolhouse rocks? I'm by myself? No? No one? Okay. Dating myself. It's a conjunction. It's a condition. If is a condition. It's a connector word. If you love me. You will obey my commands. If you love me, you will listen to what I'm saying. If. So if means that it's dependent upon you. You want to show your love for Christ. You want to show that you're obedient to Christ. He says you have to make the decision to be obedient to me. 
We don't serve a God that forces us into obedience because that's not love. That's manipulation. That's a dictatorship. He doesn't, he's not, he's not going to say, hey, I'm going to twist your arm until you love me. You're going to love me. Like, he's not that God. He says, if you love me, if you love me, if you, if you follow me, if you've committed your heart to me, then you love me. If you, and the thing, the thing with, anytime you see if in the Bible, that means there's participation on your part. See, Jesus, we spoke last week, he says, when you fast, when you pray, when you give, as, as a Christian. But now with obedience, he says, if, if you love me, you're going to obey everything that this word says. If. There's many times in the Bible where I see the word if, and I'm like, oh, I have to make a decision now. I have to make a choice. If. If I love Jesus, if I love the word, if I love following after him, if I love him, then my life is going to look like it. I'm going to listen to these words and say, God, okay, change me. Show me areas in my life that I need to change. If you love me, if you, if you, if you obey me, then I know you love me. The second thing is, second point, obedience or disobedience has an outcome. Obedience or disobedience has an outcome. What are you talking about, Pastor? It has an outcome? Yes. Just like every decision you make in your life, it has an outcome. What would the world look like if Adam and Eve didn't eat the fruit? Right? Jesus told them, you can eat from any tree in this garden. Any tree. Just don't eat from that one. There's further discussion on that if you're like, well, why would God put that there? Because obedience is a choice. If God never put the tree there, we would never have the choice. That's love. Love is putting the choice there even when you know they may pick against you. That's like playing board games with your wife. <laughs> it's sitting next to them knowing that they can play that draw four and ruin the night for me. Obedience is a choice. If God never put the tree of good knowledge there, we wouldn't be obedient. We would just be compliant. Obedience is a choice. So he told them, you can eat from any tree in this garden. Just don't eat from that one. Because surely when you do that, it's going to ruin everything. Cain and Abel. If Cain was obedient, maybe he wouldn't have killed his brother over jealousy. If he was obedient and would have brought the best of what he's gotten. Lot's wife wouldn't have turned into salt if she was obedient. Israel wouldn't have been in the desert for 40 years if they were obedient. Jonah wouldn't know what the inside of a fish looks like if he was obedient. It's funny because he's, he's the sushi in that story. Um, King Saul would have still been king. I mean, King Saul was disobedient everywhere. Just, he just made a mess of things, y'all. Listen, he, he made a mess. There was a time where like, he made a sacrifice without Samuel the prophet being there, and that is what tore the kingdom. King David took a census and was disobedient of, against the Lord to not take a census. Solomon married foreign women. 
And here's the thing. Here's the redemptive thing about God. Here's the redemptive thing about Jesus. Is that all those people that I just mentioned in the Bible were disobedient against God. We see all their consequence. We see all the mishaps. But yet God still used them to do great things. So I want to tell you today that even if you've been disobedient the past year, the past week, the past day, you still have a choice to be obedient in the next moment and the next moment, and God still has a plan for your life. Just because you were disobedient once doesn't mean God is casting you out forever, okay? Are you guys with me? Yeah, you hear that? Because I know you've been to a couple of churches in your lifetime where you, they preach on disobedience and you've walked out just defeated. But I want to let you know, God says, as far as the east is from the west, I remember your sins no more. And as far as, as long as he's sitting on the throne because he reigns forever, your disobedience is not held against you, but he always presents another opportunity. He always presents another opportunity. He's like, what are you going to choose? Look at all the people I just mentioned. Except Lot's wife. She, she became table salt. You have to make the decision. Do you want to live in disobedience? Or do you want Jesus to help you to be obedient to the next thing? You don't have to stay there. And you don't have to be angry. Yes, sometimes you're disobedient. You're like, you're hard on yourself. But we serve a God of opportunity. He took all of their mess and made something of it. King David was the greatest king Israel ever had. Cain, even though he murdered his own brother Abel out of his own mess up, no one can kill Cain. There was a mark on him. Israel wandered in the desert for 40 years, but guess what? They still made it to the promised land. Jonah, yes, even though he was swallowed by a fish, the fish thought he was nasty and spit him out. When he came to incenses, we're like, you know what? I'm going to serve God. King Saul had many moments of disobedience. Maybe, maybe the worst king that Israel ever had. But still, he gave birth to Jonathan, who was a friend to David. You don't have to stay in your disobedience. You, yes, in this life, and may, and in this life you'll deal with the consequences. But you don't have to live there. You can make a decision today to be like, God, I'm, I'm going to be obedient to you. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, whatever I need to do, I'm going to be obedient to you. And some of us think obedience has to be this grand gesture, right? Obedience can be simply, you know what, God, I feel like you've been telling me this. I'm not going to keep any alcohol in my house. I know there's no amens on that one. I know that. And I'm not saying that's you, right? For some, it may be like, you know what, God? I'm going to be obedient. I'm not going to keep any rated R movies in my house. And for some people, and, and for some people, they're like, what? Why? You know the passion is rated R. <laughs> but every, like, God has called you to a standard. And there are going to be things in your life that God calls you to be obedient to that he didn't call someone else. And that doesn't mean you're any better or worse off than them, but there's a standard for your life that he set for you. What does the Bible say? Work out your own salvation, right, with fear and trembling. So there are some things in your life that God is like, no, I don't want, because what I have for you is not what I have for them. Now, what I have for them is different. Doesn't mean it's any better. It's just different. It's for them. But for you and what I've called you to, I need you to get this out. Just be obedient and get this out and watch what I do in your life. 
Are you guys with me? Listen, I know this wasn't going to be a loud sermon because obedience is never easy. There's one of my points. There you go. It's not. Third point, right? Are you guys, is the third point? Can all my my people who of organization keep me, because I didn't number it like a fool. Like a fool, good. Because I know if I mess up, Alyssa and or Courtney would be like, no, you're wrong, Pastor. You, you're on number four now. Um, we have obedience as a choice. Obedience has an outcome. Obedience is an act of worship. And that's where we go to Romans 12, 1 through 2. Thank you. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Anytime you see therefore, you're like, what is this therefore? To offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing, perfect will. So right here it says, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your decisions as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to the Lord. And then, and then, this is your true act of worship. Obedience is worship. Obedience is telling God, God, I don't understand what's going on, and sometimes I don't even know what you want me to do, but I'm going to be obedient to these words. You said I need to renew my mind. It says don't conform to the patterns of this world. What are the patterns of this world? I need to get ahead. I need to be the best. I need to shine bright like a diamond. And God is like, don't conform to the patterns, but renew your mind. See, and that's the difference between like, some other religions where they say empty your mind. No, 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 no. God doesn't say empty your mind. He doesn't say empty your mind. No, no, no. He says renew your mind. Put something in your mind. Because if you empty your mind, you sound like a fool. God is saying renew your mind. Renew your thoughts. Don't stay in that one place. Don't stay with that one pattern of thinking. But renew it. Bring yourself to the word. Be obedient. And then this will be your true act of worship. So you're saying I don't have to sing the loudest at church? Nope. You don't. I don't have to play Caleb all day, every day. Nope. Because all of us know that one person in our life. Every time you get in their car, it's like Caleb, and you're like. <laughs> wow. They're still playing. <laughs> and hey, if you're that person, that's okay. My, that's my mom. Every time I, see, every time I get in her car, it's like Caleb. And I'm like, you know, you know, this is your car. I'm just going to sit here. Be quiet, because it's a free ride. But yeah, growing up, Caleb was always on the radio, always. And whew, Jesus, Mary. I think I know more about Michael W. Smith than Michael W. Smith knows about Michael W. Smith. I probably know his top 15 greatest hits. But he says that's an act of worship. Even if you don't know that, even if you don't know the worship songs, your worship will look like worship when you begin to renew your mind through this word, when you begin to build your life around this word. That's obedience. Then I know you'll love me because you're not only listening, you're not only trying to hear my voice, but you're doing it as well. He says, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Offer your mind as a living sacrifice. Everyone say obedience is an act of worship. 
Point number four. Obedience proves our love and demonstrates our faith. Now, I haven't been married for too long, but I've been married for a little bit. And I know, like, one thing about marriage. This ring that I wear, so um, I've lost a little bit of weight, and this thing, like, slides off like nobody's business. And um, in the years that we've been married, uh, I already lost one ring in the ocean. Because I was, you know, I was, we were at the beach, and you're like, yay! And, you know, I was, I was heavier then, and so I thought, you know, all right, this ring's going to be tight, tight. And then we got in the ocean, and we're jumping around, and I come up out the water, like Shamu, and like, <laughs> and I, I'm like, wow, something feels a little different. And the ring was gone. And Tasha in her, because she's so humble and full of grace and full of mercy, she was like, your ring is gone? I was like, yep. <laughs> I am so sorry. I told her, like, you're married to the sea now. <laughs> Obedience. See, when we got married, we said vows. And when you get married, you say vows, right? All my married people, you make vows. And a ring is an outward expression of the love that you have for your wife in your, in your heart or your spouse. And so my love for my wife, it, it's not dependent upon whether I wear a ring or not, but I wear a ring because I'm not silly. But it just proves your love. And that's why we wear rings. Because you're like, I want to show not only my wife, I want to show the rest of the world that I'm committed and I'm obedient to this relationship. I'm obedient to this covenant. I'm showing not, yeah, you know what? It, I am married, and, you know, some guys, you know, they, they don't wear the ring, and, you know, that's, that's their marriage, and that's okay. But, like, for me, I have to wear this ring because this is showing my outward commitment to the covenant that I made with Tasha. How does obedience prove your love? In 1 John 5, 2 through 3, if you could throw that up there. There we go. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we, we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commandments. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It says it right there. Everyone who loves God is to keep his commands. When you made a decision to love God, when you made a decision to give your heart, to give your life, to give your all to God, and you say, God, I want to walk with you all the rest of my days. I love you with all of my heart. I love you with all of this commitment. You were saying, God, I want to I obey and submit myself to all of you. Because who knows, in the life that we live... Especially in marriage, spouses want to commit themselves to certain parts of the marriage, but not the whole thing. This is why divorce rates are so high. It's like, well, we were dating, you used to look like this and do like this and da-da-da-da, and you don't look the same anymore. Right? And that's why divorce rates are so high. 
And God is saying, if you love me, just keep my commands. My love for Tasha isn't that I could only bring home the bacon, right? My love for Tasha isn't only that I'm there for her. My love to Tasha is just like, I honor our marriage. I honor this covenant. I'm obedient to this. Because Christ loves the church, I love my wife. And since Christ will never cheat on, on any of us and leave us, I'll never cheat on my wife. And, and the thing is, we're all one or two bad decisions away from it. But when you renew your mind, when you look at the word and you say, God, I'm going to make this my life. I'm going to obey these commands. That's how I honor Tasha, by not going and eating without her, right? Because if you guys know my wife, she doesn't like to eat by herself. So this week has been rough. You got to honor. You got to honor. There's obedience. There's obedience and love. And it demonstrates our faith. If you guys can put up 1 John 2, 3, to 3 through 6. It says, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. The Bible calls you a liar straight out. Straight up. Like, there's no qualms in that. The Bible's like, hey, if you say you love him, if you say you're committed to him, but yet you don't live your life like you do, then you're a liar. What? Yeah, that's what obedience is, remember? Sit and listen and then go and do. Some of us, we do the same thing every week. We live in this, in this terrible cycle where we sit and we listen and we hear a word or we're in our devotions and we sit and we listen and hear a word and then we never go and do. So that makes us a liar. And I don't want to be a liar. I don't want to live a liar Christian lifestyle. I don't want to live in that place where someone's like, you're a pastor, you preach pretty well on Sundays, but throughout the week, I couldn't tell if you really love Jesus or not. I've used this analogy before. It's like, we're, like if, if you watch football, right, and they do the on-the-field huddle, and they're all there, and they're talking, hey, you're blah, 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 I don't like Tom Brady, yada, yada, yada. And they're like, all right, break. And they run up, and they get up on the line, and then they snap, but nothing happens. They all, like, just pull back. And you're like, and as a viewer, you're sitting there like, what is going on? And then they get back in their huddle, and they're like, oh, yeah, come back in, come back in. Yada, 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 football, football, football. Throw the pigskin down the, all right, break. And everyone lines up on the line again. And they snap, and nothing happens. They just pull back, and they look at the other team. The other team is like, y'all just going to give away this game? The viewer, we're like, what is going on? I paid to come to this game. Entertain me. Hit helmets. Why aren't you running the play? And then they're like, all right, we're going to go back in. And they're the third time, third down, they're in the huddle. Yada, yada, yada. All right break. And they go to the line again. And you're like, all right, surely this time, like you guys know, you're third down and you're like a couple yards away from goal. Like 
you're going to run the play. And they snap, and the guys just stand up, and they start looking into the crowd, waving at their family, you know? You know, be like, call me. And they don't ever run the play. And now they get back in the huddle again. At that time, as a viewer, are you still watching the game? You turn to something else, right? Or you turn it off. And that is how the world is viewing Christianity when we're not obedient to God. It's like you guys go to church every Sunday, you get in this huddle, and you talk about running the play. This is the play. Hey, all right, what's the play? We love Jesus. Okay, good. We're going to be obedient. Good. And then we get to the line, and the ball's about ready to snap, and they snap, and we pull back, and we're like, oh, I can't go talk to him. He looks different. Uh, I want to help you out, but I, I'm on a time sc- I've got two kids. I got to go pick them up. I want to help you. You know what? Um, here's a number to another church. Give them a call. They have people to help you. Oh, you want me to pray for you? Now? You know we're in public? I'll, I'll just pray for you later. See, the world are the viewers. The world are the viewers. And the world is waiting for us to run the play. They're waiting for Christians just to be obedient and run the play. It's as if you love me, just follow my commands. What does obedience look like? Sacrifice? No, obedience looks like joy. Obedience looks like, hey, you know what? I'm going to fight everything in me that doesn't want to help this person because to me, they look creepy and unsafe, but maybe I need to battle my own stereotypes and my own structures that I built up of these people in my head and just help them anyways and be there for them anyways. You know what? In my mind, I've placed this person as an enemy, but they look like they need help right now. They look like they need some food, or maybe they look like they need a hug. Maybe I can just go up and just pray for them. That's obedience. Jesus says, love your enemies, right? We spoke about that a couple months ago. Love your enemies. Love the people who look different from you. But they're a Democrat. They're a Republican. Love them anyways. Because when that all goes away, all you'll have is love. That's what obedience looks like. But, you know, they're, they're always on Instagram talking about what they got. I don't want to, because no one likes to like that person. Right? That, that's a hard person to love, the person who acts like they have it all together. And then we look at our Instagram and we act like we have it all together. But God is like, love them. If you listen to my commands, if you hear my commands, love them. Because that's what looks like, that's what, that's what your faith looks like. People are waiting for us to run the play. As I close, this is the fifth point, and this is a little bit of a, a no-brainer, and I said it before, obedience isn't always easy. If obedience was easy, my two-year-old would be potty trained by now, <laughs> Right? If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. We'd, this church would be packed every single week because every single person would be like, following God, it, it's, it's easy. It's not easy. In 1 Peter 3, 8-15, I don't think I gave it to you, but don't worry. I'll, I'll just read it to you guys. 1 Peter 3, 8, Sorry. It says, finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, 
Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing, because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is doing right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer for everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Right there, obedience isn't easy. It says, do not repay evil for evil. Some of us have coworkers who did us wrong in the workplace, right? Right? And you're like, God, what do you mean don't repay their evil for evil? I know how to slash tires like the best of them. And God is like, no, 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 be obedient to that. That's what my word says, don't repay evil for evil. If they gossiped about you, don't gossip about them. If they slandered you, don't slander them. And we, us as, as people, we live in this sixth cycle because it says, oh, if they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. And some of us who are married, it's like, well, my spouse said something mean to me. I'm going to say something mean to them back. If they hurt me, I'm going to hurt them. And Jesus is like, don't do that. Don't repay evil for evil. But repay evil with good. And that's Obedience is learning how to see that verse. Because who here has ever read the Bible and you read a verse and you're like, I wish I never read that. <laughs> right? And you're like, is that, am I, is, are you sure that's in there? Am I reading a different Bible and then you jump to another version and it says the same exact thing and you're like, nope, that's in there. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't return insult for insult. Because if you decide to do good, if you're obedient to the good, especially when it's not easy, but I mean, think about it. You have to rage against your flesh in that moment to not repay evil for evil. You have to rage and fight against your flesh. That's so hard to do. Because if someone cuts me off, I'm going to speed up next to them, give them a look and cut them off. Do you know how hard that is? to not repay evil for evil. Some of us, we don't have good relationships with our people in our family because it's like they hurt me, they said something to me, they tore me down, they didn't support me when I had a dream and I had a vision and they talked bad about me, so I'm not going to talk to them. I'm going to cut them off. And God is like, don't repay evil for evil. That's not obedience. That's not love. But God, they hurt me. They stole from me. They took from me. But love them. Love them. Jesus said it. He says, I know you've heard it said before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He says, no, no, no. It's not like that anymore. What I'm saying is, if they hit you, turn the other cheek. What? Did I read that right? Don't repay you for evil. 
Do you know what it looks like to the rest of your world, to the rest of your circle, that when someone wrongs you, and you know, some people know you, some, of you, some people know you in your past, like, oh, they're going to get them back. And you're like, no, no, no. I'm not even going to worry about it. I'm not, I'm going to pray for them, that God blesses them, because something's hurt in them. I remember one time when I made that decision not to repay evil for evil, and my friends thought I was a whole different person. They were like, did someone kidnap you? Because who is that? Because repaying evil for evil, it feels good. Right? How many, how many people have here gotten revenge? Don't leave me by myself. Right? Your brother ate your food, so you ate his lunch for the next day. He went to lunch, and he opened his lunch box. You're like, ha! It feels good to get revenge. But that's not what obedience says. Obedience says, no, no, no. You did me wrong. You know what? I know you ate my food, and it was in the fridge, and it had my name on it, and I counted 17,000 grains of rice, and you ate 1,000 of them. It's okay. You could have the rest. Don't repay you for evil. I mean, and obedience is just, it just isn't easy. I think about this when I think about obedience isn't easy. I think about like, like Abraham, right? Hey, you know your one and only son that I gave to you? Yeah, take him up that mountain and you're going to sacrifice him. What? Yeah, take him, take him up the mountain and then, I, and, then I'll know you'll, and then I'll know you'll love me. And I could see Abraham, like, uh, we read Abraham with Isaac, and he's taking, and they're walking up the mountain. And I I think as a father, Abraham's walking up that mountain, and he's like, I love my son. This is my one and only son. This is my son Isaac, but, you know, I know, I I, I don't know what to do. Like, this is my son. And I could see just the walk up the mountain. I don't see him, like, walking up there, charging up a mountain. I see him contemplative and just really just struggling with this command of obedience, of saying, "I I have to go up there. And I have to give God my son. Uh, but God, you just gave him to me. I don't know what to do. God, I'm just trying to be obedient because I love you. I, I believe you. And God, I'm, what do I do? What do I do? Like, this is my son. And they're building the altar. And they're looking at the altar. And Isaac goes, where's the sacrifice? And, and Abraham goes, he doesn't tell his son, hey, son, you're the sacrifice. He goes, no, God, God God's going to provide. I don't know how. God's going to provide. And Abraham just lifting up the knife to, 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 to take his son's life, his one and only son. He took his one and only son, and he's lifting up the knife, and he's like, okay, God, if you, if you called me to do this, then I'm going to do it. And right before it, Angel goes, whoa, 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 hey, whoo. Put it down. Don't, don't harm him. Because now I see that you love the Lord. And the Lord desires obedience over sacrifice. And I want to tell you guys today that on the mountaintop of perceived sacrifice, the Lord provides some of you guys are walking up that mountain right now, and you're like, I have, to give God my, I have to give God my dream. I have to give God this vision. I have to give it up. But God, like, 
You gave this to me. This is all I've ever dreamed for. This is what I have to give it up. And God is like, just be obedient. And right when we're about to give it up, right when we're about to let it go, God goes, hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't harm that. There's a ram in the bush over there. I've, I've provided the sacrifice. I provided the sacrifice, but I wanted to see your obedience. I want to let y'all know some of us are walking through seasons right now that are so hard, that are so rough, and they're hard financially, and they're hard emotionally, and they're hard mentally, and we want to give up, and we're thinking, all right, God, I guess I just have to sacrifice this. I want to sacrifice this, and God is like, no, 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 through this season, I just want you to be obedient because your obedience shows me that you love me, and it shows that you want me more than anything. And he granted Abraham, he's like, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. In your, where you thought you were going to lose one son, I've made you a father of many. And I want to tell you the same thing. As you walk up your mountain, as you go through life, you may feel like God is asking me the thing I've worked so hard to gain. God is asking me to sacrifice the thing I've worked so hard to achieve. And God is like, right when you're about to sacrifice, because you're obedient, because you are willing to give it up again, I'm going to give you more than what you expected. Obedience isn't always easy. And this is the last point. Obedience is always for your benefit. It's always for your benefit. Abraham became the descendant. His, his descendants became as numerous as the stars. I think the Bible would sound a little differently if Noah never built the boat. Noah, who's probably never seen a rain like that in his life, was obedient to God. People are making fun of him. What are you, what's that? A boat. You ever seen a boat like that before? Noah's like, well, God told me to build it, and so that's what I'm going to do. Some of you guys are boat builders. You don't even know what you're building. Some of you guys don't even know what you're building. But build it. If the Lord says to do it, do it. Because it could be the very thing that saves you from the flood. If the Lord says, hey, you need to cut that out, or you need to cut those kind of movies out of your life, hey, you know what? I want you to be obedient to me. Those are the friends you don't need to be around. Those are the movies you don't need to be watching. That's not the music you need to be listening to. But you know what? You, you do what you're going to do, but I'm just saying, like, be obedient. Like, find stuff that edifies you and that glorifies me because it's going to build you up. And you have to understand obedience is a building block for love. It's a building block. I know, I know that, was, that was a tough word for today because obedience is never easy. And I know as I'm speaking this, the Holy Spirit is saying that right now as you're sitting here, there are things in your life that God is asking you to be obedient that you've tried to ignore, that you've tried to stay away from. And he's asking you, he's like, hey, would you just be obedient to that? Because there's so much on the other side of that obedience. Literally, your obedience can save your entire family. Because if Noah wasn't obedient, his entire family would have drowned and died. Be obedient. There's life on the other side of that. If you guys don't, do you guys receive that today? Amen. Do you guys mind standing? We're going to have Carissa sing this song for a little bit, and then Tasha's going to come up and close.
Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church Podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.